welcome to Mindfully Empowered. I'm your host, Nicole HR, a mindfulness master practitioner, emotional well-being coach, essential oil educator, teen yoga teacher, wife, and mom of two. This podcast is a series of thoughts, tips, tools, and conversations to help you live a more mindful, empowered lifestyle so that you can feel emotionally well each and every day, and of course, have effective tools to lean into whenever you need them. So let's dive in. So in this episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. And not only about these three and what they're doing in our body, but actually give you some tangible practices that you can use really easily any point in time of the day that you need them to just help dial down all of these big emotions a few notches. So to start with, I want to just talk a little bit about what's happening in our bodies when stress, anxiety, and overwhelm are running wild. (laughs) These three heavy and often consuming emotions are so common right now in our very busy, busy lives. We are rushing around so much. We have so much to do in what feels like so little time. We have so many things to juggle, expectations that other people have on us, expectations we have on ourselves, promises that we have kept, um, things we need to do for other people, trying to fit in some of the things that we want to do, prioritizing ourselves and our me time. It's constant juggle and it is no wonder that stress and overwhelm can creep in. We are forever on the go, go, go. And as a society, very generalized, we are not often that great at just sort of slowing down and taking stock. And when we do that, we often feel guilty. We feel like we are not productive. We feel lazy. We feel like we haven't earned it or that someone's going to be looking in, judging us, saying that, you know, we shouldn't be taking this time for ourselves or questioning what have we done to earn this time, um, you know, to slow down. There's so many pressures on us and it can be hard to take time to slow down. And when we think about what that could look like, we also often get caught in this sort of script in our minds that This means taking a week off, a month off, a day off, an hour off, you know, creating these rituals every day where we have 30 minutes of unwinding or an hour of unwinding just for ourselves to really calm down and and download. But actually, yes, we can do those things. Yes, we can take that hour for ourselves. Yes, we can go on holiday. But what happens when that hour ends? When the holiday ends? Well, stress comes back. The overwhelming feelings of I need to do, you know, endless things. I have all these expectations for other people um, to live up to. It all returns. It all comes back, right? It's like a giant hamster wheel. (laughs) We might take a break for a short period of time, but we just then get back on it and it comes back. So what's going on in our bodies when this is happening? When we are feeling these big emotions, we are activating the brain's fight, flight, or freeze response. It's our primordial brain. It is the thing that has the less um, ability to see the big picture It has less ability to even really understand the context. It's just responding to sensation. It's responding to the nervous system, right? So if you took part in my head, heart, and gut intuition um, 
embodiment practice masterclass, you would have learned all about how the brain has billions of neurons firing and communicating from the left to the right, you know, making sure that we are responsive to our body and that it's, you know, making sure that we are, our organs are all working, you know, that our body's moving the way that it needs to move and so on. But actually our gut is where three times that amount of neurons live. And that is actually communicating to our brain more than our brain is committing to the rest of our body, which means our gut, our intuition, our deep, deep knowing, our internal kind of core, right, is sending more information about sensory, how we are um, experiencing our world it's sending more information to the brain than the brain is anywhere else. So the brain is really taking stock of what the gut is telling it. And from that information, it is then giving us all kinds of hormones, which then create more emotions and, and so on as this cycle, right? So if our gut on one hand isn't functioning well, maybe is blocked up, is backed up, is not running well, is running a bit slower, is um, maybe not fueled with the right stuff in the right way. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all for a treat. <laughs> I love to indulge. But at the same time, we need to be fueling our gut with really good, healthy, natural produce and um, fuel and um, all the things that are good for it, right? So that it can run optimally. Because when it run, runs optimally, it sends accurate communication. When it doesn't and it's filled with things like sugars and caffeines and um, you know all kinds of other stimulants, then often it can be sending mixed signals to our brain and to our body about what kind of state we're really in, right? It thinks that we're kind of run, run, running and on a high alert and we're sort of like in this um, high intensity sort of environment when maybe we're not actually, we've just drank a lot of coffee that day. Um, but also the gut is where our instinct lives, right? So that gut instinct, that's intuition. That's where it's all housed. Our intuition is housed there. So we are experiencing a lot of things on a sensory level, you know, that prickle on the back of your neck. Um, when you go into a place, it doesn't make you feel mm, not so sure, um, in meeting a new person that you're really excited about, or you haven't seen in a long time, or who gives you really, really good vibes, and you are filled up with this like excitement, this joy, this pure happiness. Your gut feels that, and then it sends a signal to the brain, right? And it either puts it into a really soothing, happy place, or it sends it into a stress response, which is where the fight, flight, freeze response kicks in. So this is a really good thing because this is our body's way of keeping us safe, protecting us, right? We need these instincts and we need this communication to work really well so that if we were in cave people times, we were not going to be, you know, eaten alive by a big bear because we knew that our gut was saying this isn't our safe place or this we need shelter or you know whatever and it would tell our brain this information and our brain would then respond and we would then go and seek shelter or get out of the danger or we would be face to face with an animal and we would run the hell out of there right um so or fight I guess right like these are our sort of core primal instincts to protect ourselves and the other thing that comes into play here is this need and desire as humans to fit in, to be part of community. And that, again, comes back to safety, right? There's safety in numbers. There's safety in protection. When we were living in this way, living off the land and um, in this sort of primal way, we needed community in order to survive. When there is more of us and there is a herd, then we are more likely to survive. We're more likely to source enough food. We are more likely to, you know, escape danger, to work together, all these kind of things. And so we want to fit in. 
We want to please others. We want to, you know, put others first, meet other other people's expectations. We want to do all the things, right? And if you've got kids, of course, your instincts are as they should be to protect those children beyond any means. And so putting them before you is key to their survival, which is your job, which your body understands and knows. And when, if you're a mother, you your brain physically rewires itself in pregnancy so that you are more responsive, more anxious, on higher alert. You are more um, sensitive to all of these sensations and these instincts that you have within you, which are housed in the gut, again, sending supercharged neurons up to the brain communications, making you super anxious, super high alert, making sure that you are uber responsive to this child, this new baby that needs you. That doesn't change, right? That doesn't change. Once that has changed in you as a mother, if you are a mother, then that stays there with you. Even actually if you've just been pregnant, right? If you are a person who has been pregnant for a period of time, then your brain will have begun to change, even if you didn't see that pregnancy to full term. So it will create more anxiety within you. It will create more overwhelm within you. It'll create more stress because it wants you to be the best you can for this new person, right? And as a human race, we are primarily wired to respond to others, to fit in, to conform, to do for other people, to please other people, which is very stressful because when you think about our needs now, they are completely different. Yes, we still need to survive, but our means of survival are very different. But we still put these pressures on ourselves to, you know, put our own true desires or values aside in order to please the people that we have to, like our bosses or, you know, um, peers or colleagues or whatever to try and fit in and not rock the boat. And when we put ourselves aside, that's when we can start to feel these bigger emotions more often. And they can at times become very consuming and we can have harder time getting out of this situation. So if we know this about ourselves, how can we begin to use this information as power? So I'm going to tell you about the vagus nerve. It represents the main components of the parasympathetic nervous system. And that oversees like a huge amount of our like circular body functions, our organs, it's in control of things like our immune system and our digestive response. It's in charge of our heart rate and it's also in charge of our mood <laughs> and emotions. And um, it establishes one of the biggest connections between the brain and the gastral tract, so the gut, okay? Because it is in charge of, not, not fully in charge, but it's one of the main components that's in charge of the communication between these two, it is what sends the information. It's where the signals travel from the gut up to the brain, right? And then into all of our other organs. So it tells the brain what's happening with our organs. It tells the brain what's happening with our mood. It tells the brain what's happening sensory and physically in terms of our sort of like bodily functions. It tells the brain what's going on. And it actually does impact the fibers within our body, which is really amazing and really, really fascinating. So when we understand about, you know, stress and overwhelm and anxiety being good for us in terms of a per- like protection and survival place, 
And we also understand that the vagus nerve is one of the most important or probably the most important tool we have in our body physically to kind of take control of that communication. That's where we can then start to have an impact. We can start doing things that activate the vagus nerve in a calming, relaxing, safety messaging way. So that even if our gut is getting these signals about stress because of work, stress because of family, anxiety because of situation or kids or things not going the right way or um, tasks being overwhelming, right? Um, all of these different little things that can really play havoc on our system. If we can activate the vagus nerve and interrupt that with lots of calming sensations and calming messages, then what's happening is we're sending signals to the brain to tell it that, okay, this stress we're feeling or this anxiety we're feeling or this overwhelm we're feeling is not actually in relation to danger. It's not actually in relation to survival. It's not actually in relation to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so the brain then can start to understand that it, although it feels these things, it doesn't have to respond in the extreme way, which is things like pumping our body full of adrenaline in order for us to run away fast, in order for us to fight the best fight we can, right? In order for us to find the best hiding place there is, that fight, flight, or freeze kind of response. The brain wants to fill our bloodstream with adrenaline to make us be able to survive as much as we can, right? But when we have activate the nervous system and the vagus nerve in this way, then our brain knows, well, I can't be doing something calming and relaxing. I can't be doing something soothing. I can't be doing something that's even remotely controlled in my thinking and consciously controlled if I'm actually in danger. Because if I'm actually in danger, if I'm actually needing a survival response, then I can't do any of that cognitive thinking. I can't do any of that prioritizing. I can't do any of that self-soothing, right? Because when you're in danger, that all goes out the window for real. If you're really genuinely faced with danger, you're not going to be doing these steps. <laughs> you're not going to be doing what I'm teaching you. You're going to be looking for survival. So if you're not in danger <laughs> and you are just feeling day-to-day -day stress, overwhelm, and anxiety from work, from loss, from you know grief, from pain, from um, being a busy working woman who has a lot on her plate, who has a family and a job and maybe a, you know, a side business or something that she's trying to develop on her own and she wants to work out and you want to have a social life and right, all the things we talk about all the time about being this work, busy working woman who wants to prioritize herself but also prioritize everyone else and do a good job in all of the areas of her life because you freaking well deserve to, right? When you are feeling stressed because of that, that's very different from danger. And that's where we can then start to bring in tools that you can use throughout your day that do not require half an hour rituals, that do not require a holiday, that do not require masses amount of time. So I want to teach you some. The very first activity that you can do that helps you to activate your vagus nerve is belly breathing. Now, if you've been in my space for a little while, you know I love belly breathing because it's so simple. It can be done anywhere, anytime, for any length of time, by anyone, <laughs> right? We can teach kids to do it, adults can do it, elderly can do it, it doesn't matter. If you breathe, you can do this practice. And if you're listening to this, 
<laughs> you breathe. <laughs> so I will put a little slight disclaimer here that if you are someone who um, struggles with body image or who is someone who heard messages of um, suck it in, keep it tight, you know, all these things about the belly, you might hold your belly muscles really firm and really tight. You might have a lot of um, blocks to work through to relax all those muscles fully, okay? But it's still worth working through. It's still worth doing the work to relax your body enough. Because when you can bring your breath, not into your lungs, but all the way down past the diaphragm and fill up your stomach muscles, you are doing a few amazingly strong key things. The first one, obviously, is activating the vagus nerve. You are actually sending vibrations of air and muscle contraction all wrapped around the gastral environment, which helps to send vibrations to the vagus nerve that are very calming and very soothing and very rhythmic. And when it feels that, it sends those calming messages to the brain. So it's actually telling the brain, slow down, relax, you are safe, you are calm, right? So belly breathing is really simple. You are literally just taking a bit of conscious control over your breath. So, you know, some nice deep breaths slowly, as slow as you can is kind of best because we want to really slow down our exhales. And how you're doing it is you're basically breathing in and you're relaxing your stomach muscles, literally relaxing so much that your stomach is like really kind of stretching. You're feeling your muscles just not, now you're not pushing them, but as you breathe in, you're allowing your stomach to expand to its full expansion. And so you will feel a slight stretch in those muscles, especially if you're someone who holds them really tight. So you're inhaling and you're letting your stomach expand. And then as you exhale, your stomach muscles are then being pulled in. And I want you to imagine them just coming and tucking back in all the way to the spine, even feeling your diaphragm tuck up like under your rib cage. Again, you're not pushing it. You're just allowing the muscles to flow out and flow in. and But you're doing it in a consciously controlled way. The other thing you're doing, right? So you're, you are giving this little vibration to the vagus nerve, which is wrapped around the, sort of where the gastrointestinal tract is, but you're also massaging your gut. You're also massaging that gastrointestinal tract. So you're actually helping the function of your gut, right? You're, you're moving things along. You're helping to massage all those massively important and big, huge, massive organ that you have in your body, massaging all the stuff that's going on in there and helping things move along. And as we do that, the gut functions better. It is healthier, right? It's clearing up the things it doesn't need. It's getting a little massage. Anything on our body gets a little massage, feels great. It feels soothed, feels relaxed. It can release the tension and belly breath does that. And again, when I talked about this earlier, the more relaxed and the easier our gut is functioning, the clearer and the better communication gets sent to the brain, the more accurate communication gets sent to the brain. And for anyone, again, who maybe didn't join my Head, Heart, and Intuition Masterclass, when the gut functions well and it's communicating accurate information to the brain, that is where your intuition is the strongest. That's where your intuition and that gut feeling and that gut instinct is truest and is something you can fully trust. So belly breath is such an amazing, um, yeah, tool. So I hope you practice that. A couple of other ones. Um, another one to think about is humming breath. Or if you've got young kids and you want to teach them how to do it, I sometimes like to call it buzzy bee breath with my three-year-old. So this one, um, if you're doing it, you know, if with the kids, you can do a little practice where they're actually rubbing their hands together as they inhale to warm their hands up. Um, 
This is not necessarily needed um, as an adult. You can be doing this without having to rub your hands. You can do this with noise canceling headphones. You can do this with um, plugging your ears. You could do this with um, headphones in with no noise <clears throat> or maybe like a gentle, gentle white noise. Very, very low because you want to be able to hear the hum yourself um, or just covering your ears, right? So basically what you do is as you inhale, you're just gently, like a nice gentle inhale. And then as you exhale, you're going to cover with the palms of your hands or with your fingers very gently or headphones, like I said, you're going to cover your ears. So you're inhaling normally, but when you cover your ears and you exhale, you exhale out with a hum. So it sounds a bit like this. You're inhaling, covering your ears, and then and when you hum out like that with your ears covered you'll actually feel the vibration through your ears through your jaw through your teeth if they're still touching so try and relax them <laughs> um, through your face but most importantly through your voice box and through the back of your or through your throat and this is where the sort of huge um, connection of your vagus nerve is is right behind your voice box so again you're vibrating it and when you vibrate it it stimulates it in this very rhythmic very soothing very calm way and again sends signals to the brain that you are safe that you are okay because you couldn't breathe like that and you couldn't do these practices in a calm rhythmic way if you were in danger so there's another one to try Another one is just listening to calming music or sounds through headphones, so specifically through headphones, again, to activate that gentle vibration of the vagus nerve. If you are a singer, maybe you do some very gentle sort of like um, rhythmic notes, again, that sort of vibrate the voice box in a gentle way, just not overstraining it. Um... So yeah, those are sort of three breathing type and humming sort of vibrational ways that you can activate the vagus nerve to help send those calming signals. But there are a couple of other ones that are not about breathing, but I do recommend the breathing ones because the breathing, especially belly breath and, and um, humming breath, they can be done anywhere at any time by anybody, right? Like I love the fact that they're just so versatile. You could be you know, in the toilet, you could be in a bus, you could be taking, you could just be at your desk, you could be walking doing these, right? Like, doesn't really matter what situation you're in. If you're feeling anxious or stressed or overwhelmed, you take some breaths, you know, four or five breaths like this, it will instantly start to bring that volume down. You're turning the notch down on the stress, on the overwhelm, on the anxiety. You're just, you know, dialing it back. And it works really quickly. There are a few other things though, like I said. So one of the other ones is reflection, right? Keeping a check in on yourself is another way to just help dial down the stress and anxiety and the overwhelm. It's not necessarily activating the vagus nerve. Those are the sort of breathing techniques, but um, being able to reflect can really help keep our stress in check because when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, sometimes when it lives in our mind, then it can grow a lot bigger than maybe it actually is. Or we just have a hard time kind of seeing it in the bigger picture. We have a harder time um, prioritizing things because we are just consumed by these overwhelming emotions. So being able to do reflection and look at how am I feeling or where is my source of stress, overwhelming anxiety coming from? Do I know? Being able to do that reflection is so important and can really help to move you into a different mindset because basically you are able to take a aerial view, if you like, of the situation and in doing so, you hopefully will be able to maybe see some different solutions 
And even if you can't find solutions and even if you can't change anything and even if you were just recognizing that this is really a stressful time, getting it out of your mind and onto paper helps to validate how you are feeling, helps to give you permission, hopefully give you grace about why this is happening, accepting you know, that this is the season you're in right now in this moment and helps you to maybe just feel a little bit less consumed by it. Because once it's out of your mind and onto the paper and you've done something with it, your mind will feel like it has been listened to, okay? It's a way of processing what's going on. When thoughts bump around in our head unprocessed and we're just constantly thinking about them but we haven't actually necessarily reflected on them in a way where we've either written them down or spoken to someone we trust about them, had a really reflective conversation, they're unprocessed. They are unkind of finished. And so they bounce around like, you know, a ping pong ball. Um, maybe not, that's not the best word, the best analogy. Um, like a little pinball in one of those pinball machines, just bouncing around, knocking off everything, right? That's exactly what's happening in your mind when you've got things, situations, experiences consuming you, worrying you, whether they are really happening, have happened, or there are worries about the future that you've got. If they're pinging around in there like wild and you haven't yet taken the time to reflect on the whys, the wheres, the hows, you know, what action can you take, all these kind of things. If you haven't reflected on that, then it's just living in there, picking up speed, right? You need to reflect on it, get it out in order for you to take control back and stop that ball bouncing around. And in some cases, maybe the ball still stays there for a little while because it's something that's going to just hang about for a little while because it is legitimately something you have to deal with or work on um, in reality in order to kind of be done with it, right? Sometimes like you've got an upcoming presentation to do, you've got an upcoming trip, and until everything is done for preparing for the trip, that is still going to be a reality of things you have to do. You can't just, you know, put it to the side. But if you've reflected, processed, maybe made a plan, um, prepared yourself, you know, for these things, then hopefully the ball bounces around less, maybe has a nice little place to be put. And for other things that are bouncing around in there, they can be processed away, like a filing cabinet, right? Take that ball out, put it in a lovely little drawer where it belongs, file it away. So reflection is an important tool for helping to dial things down. And one of the other ways I love to help calm the stress is tapping into mother nature's medicine. So if you've been in my circles, you'll know I love using essential oils. Um, when we can tap into the gift that mother nature has given us through her plants and her flowers, her trees, her fruit, the essential oils that are kept on these amazing natural organisms is so powerful for our body. And they have such power when they are pure and potent to really speak to our brains and our minds and it can really tap into this ability to dial down that stress, overwhelm and anxiety. So how it works is when you inhale an essential oil, whether it be from the plant or you know in a concentrated form, as you inhale it comes in contact with your olfactory nerve and your olfactory nerve like your vagus nerve is a powerhouse in communicating with your mind. So the olfactory nerve within seconds of smelling any smell 
it sends a signal to your brain. So you have to remember, you know, it's not just about oils, but when you smell something, home cooked baked bread, warm from the oven, um, a favorite meal, you walk outside and you catch a scent of something in the air and it instantly transports you somewhere to a memory, to a sensation, to a feeling. That is the olfactory nerve communicating with the brain and the brain's like, oh yes, I've got a memory of that. I've got a, you know, I've got information about that, right? And the way essential oils work is that once it's communicated with the olfactory nerve, the olfactory nerve communicates with the brain. And again, it's actually molecules. So you're inhaling the molecules and molecules are entering your body, entering your bloodstream. And those molecules are so powerful and are so beautifully magic because they come from nature, because they come from, you know, this beautiful world that they are, they mingle with our bodies and they can actually pass the blood brain barrier, which means actually enter the brain to communicate with it directly. And so oils that are really good for communicating with the brain to help to soothe these overwhelming feelings and these sort of big feelings are lavender. And this can be used during the day, not just for sleep, because it helps to reduce the chatter of the mind, helps to kind of focus in the mind and clear all of the sort of chaotic um, thoughts when they're sort of just bouncing around. But also some really nice blends like Serenity, which is a really lovely restful blend, which just helps to kind of calm the nervous system. Balance, which is super grounding and helps you regain that sense of control once again. So really good for anxiety and overwhelm as well. And Anchor as well is another good one. So some really lovely blends, some really nice natural oils like um, vetiver and lavender, like I said. Even um, cedarwood, all really calming. And these are all oils that if you find in nature, again, have the same impact, right? Well, they are. They're from nature. So whether you're smelling them straight from the source, from a cedarwood tree or in a bottle, you're going to get those same feelings, those same grounding, calming messages to the brain. And so, yeah, using them is another really wonderful way of just dialing things down. And movement is the last thing that I always think can really help to play a role. So reflecting back on when I was talking about how the brain pumps our body full of adrenaline when it is in the fight, flight, or freeze state and when it feels like we are in danger, um, is preparing us to protect ourselves. Stress, anxiety, overwhelm, all three of these create the brain's response to flood our bloodstream with adrenaline. And you will know adrenaline is fab. It gets us going. It helps us to increase stamina. Um, you know, all these sort of last longer if you're on a run, all these kind of things and you're working out. But if you're not working out, if you're not going for a run, if you're not actually in danger, if you don't really need to protect yourself, you don't need all that damn adrenaline in your system. It's too much. When you have too much adrenaline running through your system, it can cause all kinds of havoc. It can create simple things like upset stomachs, nausea. Um, if you are if anyone who suffers from anxiety or panic attacks like I used to, for years, I mean for years, when I was, especially when I was younger, just sort of starting having panic attacks, like late high school, early college years for me, I actually didn't know they were panic attacks. I legitimately did not know. I used to blame it on low iron because I did have low iron and used to have kind of like low iron drops at times and would feel really, really unwell and feel really nauseous and lightheaded and faint. But I actually started to realize that I was blaming way more panic attacks on that than like knowing that they were panic attacks. Um, and the reason for that, like, 
initially was because I didn't understand how the brain and body worked. I didn't understand one, I didn't, wasn't really recognizing anxiety within myself, but also um, I didn't understand that kind of chemical reaction. So what was happening was I had so much adrenaline pumping through my system in situations that I didn't really feel safe in, but like I cognitively thought that I should be fine in, but I really just wasn't feeling safe in these situations that I was choosing to put myself in as a, as a sort of late teens, early twenties, um, adult. And when that was happening, I would feel so unwell. I'd feel dizzy. I would feel nauseous and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good. I need something to eat. I need, you know, um, to smoke a cigarette, which side note, if you are a smoker and you smoke when you are stressed and anxious, it's because it slows down and creates rhythmic breathing <laughs> and creates that um, box breath type breathing. If you've ever followed any of my um, breathing techniques on Instagram, you know, box breath is another one I really like. And it physically does actually calm your breathing down, which again sends this signal to the body or to the brain that you're not really in danger because your body couldn't relax in that way, blah, blah, blah. So that's why people smoke in those situations often. Anyway, that was a side note, but I would often feel really unwell. And the reason for that is because my body had so much adrenaline running through it and it didn't know what to do with it, that it would actually create nausea in my stomach and yours too, if you've ever experienced that. So again, sometimes people can be, um, misunderstand car sickness for, um, or anxiety for car sickness because they're maybe traveling somewhere that they're really nervous or anxious about. Um, and their body is pumping them through full of adrenaline in preparation for this upcoming thing they're going to, or creating all these, um, intrusive thoughts and these, this lots of worry within their body. And they then get sick in the car and they think that that in itself is car sickness, but actually it could have been an anxious, an anxiety response due to all this adrenaline, that that's this is all the adrenaline, the unused adrenaline that's making you feel nauseous and sick. Again, that happened to me when I was a teenager, <laughs> going on my very first holiday without my parents, my best friend. Um, we were going to Dominican and we were up first thing in the morning to go to the airport and I was really excited, but I was also totally shitting myself um, and definitely wouldn't admit that, obviously. I was so nervous. I was so sick. I felt so unwell um, to the point that I actually threw up <laughs> out of the car window on the highway. Yeah, it was not nice out the car window and yeah, no, we didn't stop the car. <laughs> It just went everywhere. I'm so sorry for anyone who was behind us in that car uh, when I was a teenager. But yes, those are the types of things that happen with adrenaline, right? Our body doesn't know what to do with it. It has to get rid of it. So this is where movement comes in. If you are feeling anxious, stressed, and overwhelmed, and you can feel that building within your body, getting up and moving in some way doesn't have to be like going to do a run or going to do a big workout, but just physically moving your body, you know, doing um, just a little bit of movement, going for a walk, um, you know, just raising your heart rate a little bit to burn off the adrenaline makes a huge difference. Because again, you just you just want to keep telling the brain you're safe, you're okay, you, you know, you don't need to be in this protection um, state right now. If you can do all these things and tell the brain this, because it brain doesn't have eyes, right? The brain doesn't have understanding of context, especially especially this prime primordial primordial brain. It doesn't have context, just knows sensation and responds to sensation. So the more that you can do to give the brain these messages, the more you can dial down the stress, dial down the anxiety, right? So moving your body dancing, stretching, walking, do a workout, whatever, do some jumping jacks, do some squats. Squats are great because squats, even just standing at the counter or the bathroom or whatever, wherever you are, when you're like having this stressful moment or anxious moment, it uses so many muscles and it uses up a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> so it just, it just, like you don't even have to, don't even have to raise your heart rate too much. It's just when you start to 
move this adrenaline out of your bloodstream, then again, it's getting used and then you're not feeling so unwell and so shaky or um, like you've got the chills or you feel nauseous or any of these sort of things that happen when you have too much adrenaline through your bloodstream. The other thing that can happen when you have too much adrenaline running through your bloodstream for a period of time, so when you're stressed for like weeks, your job is really stressing you out for months, years even, and you're, you know, kind of battling this up and down of stress and anxiety and burnout and whatever, you might be someone who's experiencing that. You might experience a lot of colds and flus and picking up all kinds of bugs and germs because your body is so busy trying to get rid of all this adrenaline that you don't need that it can't look after your basic immune system. So also just be aware of that, right? I hope this has been helpful. I hope that understanding this in this way, in this very logical way about what's going on in our bodies and and understanding the breakdown of that and then understanding these tangible things you can do. Belly breath, humming breath, listening to some calming music or sounds, getting up and moving and reflecting right? These are all practical tools that you can use anytime. You don't need an hour to journal. You don't need, you know, to journal every morning or whatever. You literally, when when it comes to reflection and writing things down, get yourself a couple of prompts or just know the type, one or two prompts that you like to sort of lean on. You know, what's going on right now? How am I feeling right now? Um, Where is this coming from? What can I do to help it? Like whatever, right? Get a couple of prompts for yourself. You can do that at your desk. You could do that on the bus. You could do it on the train. You could do it wherever you want. You can write it in notes on your phone. You can talk to a friend and process that way. But just, you know, use that reflection tool and know that it doesn't have to be like this big ritual of a thing. It just needs to be you taking stock so that you can actually start to process what's happening in terms of these heavy emotions. So again, I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you feel that you have now got a couple of tools you might be able to try, want to try. And if you are feeling stress and anxiety and overwhelm right now, I really do hope that you can just dial it back a little bit. You can take back that little bit more of control and know that it doesn't have to be something that you have to take time out of your day to do. It's just something you can incorporate into your day, right? You can be busy and stressed and not have time to do meditations or you know yoga or whatever but you have time to breathe you have time to instead of sending your breath into your chest send your breath into your belly you don't have to close your eyes you don't have to sit in a stupid position <laughs> just do it standing up doing it on the couch laying down whatever sometimes i do it when i'm nursing my baby sometimes i do it when i'm laying on the floor reading my daughter book or when she's playing and I'm pretending to, you know, be asleep. <laughs> Whatever. You don't have to have taken time away separately from what you're doing. You might not have kids. You might be, you know, um, running your business and you're in a staff meeting or whatever. You don't have to leave the staff meeting to do the belly breath. You can be doing that on your own. No one has to know but you're just taking back conscious control to calm down that stress and anxiety feeling that you're feeling within yourself. No one has to know that when you're going on your lunch break to take a walk or do a couple of, you know, up and down the flights of stairs to burn off your adrenaline, but that's what you're doing. They just think that you're going to move your body because it's healthy for you, right? Or that you chose to send four separate things to the printer one after the other so that you had to do four different trips back and forth to the printer. People just think you're, you know, forgetful or not. don't even care, to be fair, um, what the hell you're doing. <laughs> but just you're moving your body to help you kind of balance out that adrenaline, right? So take this away. Take these tangible tools away. Know that it's not about creating more effort in your day. It's about incorporating what you have and where you are in the small actions that you can take to take back control. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel 
like you've got tools that you can use to start taking back control of these emotions and your well-being. Because I want you to feel good. I want you to feel strong. I want you to feel like even when there is stress and chaos, you can have something to help you dial that down as often as you need it so that it's not overwhelming, so that it doesn't become consuming. Okay? I will leave it there. And I'll speak to you next time. Have a wonderful day. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and that you have taken away something that has made you feel empowered to continue the next steps of your own well-being journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, add to your library, or share it with someone who you think would enjoy this as well so that we can continue to raise the vibrations of everyone around us. I can't thank you enough for being part of this community. And if you are feeling drawn to working with me more or looking into other ways that I can support you on your journey, then please reach out to me over on Instagram at at Nicole underscore h dot r. I love to hear from you. Just drop me a little DM. I love connecting with you and being able to support you with all kinds of other tangible, wonderful tools. If you're interested in sampling any of the essential oils that were spoken about in this episode, please reach out for some free samples. I would be honored to allow you to experience the power of these oils. So don't be shy. Just ask. Thank you.